Russians call him notorious. Marxists hate him. You're listening to Peter List and Union Free Radio. Thanks for tuning in to LaborUnionReport.com's Union Free Radio, where we are shedding the light on today's unions. I'm your host, Peter List. Our numbers are 888-668-6466. That's 1-888-NO-UNION. Or you can reach out on Twitter, Workplace Report. That's Workplace RPT. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, welcome back to Union Free Radio. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So today we're going to do a quick detour and talk about how union-free employers can talk to their union-free employees about unions when there's no union around. And here's why we're going to cover this today. I don't know about you, but I live by a credo, which most people are familiar with, and I preach it to both union and union-free clients. And that credo is simply... Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So whether you're a union-free employer facing a union campaign or a unionized employer going into negotiations with the possibility of a strike, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Now, for those of you who are union-free, as you may have guessed, with the new National Labor Relations Board in Washington under the Biden administration, it's expected that with or without the Democrats passing the Poisonous Pro Act, employers are going to be facing a much more aggressive union movement and a much more aggressive National Labor Relations Board, which is pro-union, as well as a return to the ambush elections that we saw beginning in 2015. Now, ambush elections are written into the Poisonous Pro Act. However, even without its passage, the National Labor Relations Board, just like they did back in 2014 and 2015, can put ambush elections into place without codifying it into law. In addition, as somebody who's been doing labor employee relations classes for private sector employers and their employees for more than a couple decades, every so often we run across employers who don't know that they have a legal right to talk to their employees about unions, and they don't have to wait until the union shows up on their doorstep. In fact, all too often, they have to, those employers who don't know that they have a legal right to talk to their employees about unions, when a union shows up on the doorstep, they're having to play catch-up. So just as union organizers can target you at any given time, if you're a union-free employer, you have the legal right to talk to your employees, even when there's no union organizing activity, as long as you do it lawfully. And that's the key. Now, the first question that should be answered is, should you talk to your employees about unions at all? Well, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode on Union Free Radio called A Simple Six-Step Recipe to Staying Union Free. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. But in case you missed that episode, the six steps to staying union free very simply are as follows. And you need to do it in order. Number one, assess your vulnerabilities. Number two, fix your flaws. Number three, engage your employees. Number four, develop a dossier. Number five, train your management team. And number six, inoculate your employees. So again, as I stated in the six steps recipe episode, don't skip the steps. For example, if you think or you know you have issues in your workplace, 
you probably shouldn't talk to your employees about unions until you fix those issues. You see, staying union free is in large measure about staying issue free. Unions typically cannot get a toehold into a workplace unless there's issues. So your first step as a, as an employer or human resources should always be fix your issues. However, assuming you've gone through steps one through four, this episode is on how to talk to your employees about unions. And it's part of step five that leads into step six, which is training your management team so that you can have the conversations with your union free employees with or without union activity. And this type of training is probably one of the easiest yet nuanced training to do for supervisors and managers. Some people call it do's and don'ts training. Other people call it tips training. Whatever your preference, this training is essential for anyone who's a bona fide supervisor under the National Labor Relations Act because they are considered agents of the employer. And what they do or say can be held against the employer just as though the employer were saying or doing it him or herself or themselves. You are listening to Union Free Radio. Now, if you happen to be in your car right now listening to this episode of Union Free Radio or you don't have a, a pen and piece of paper handy, don't worry about it. Nearly everything we'll be talking about, including a PowerPoint used for training purposes, will be included in the links or embedded on this episode of Union Free Radio below the audio portion on laborunionreport.com or redstate.com. So before we get started, I'm going to throw in a legal disclaimer because with the National Labor Relations Board and agency rulings, court rulings, etc., things change. So as it stands today, we'll be talking about the do's and don'ts, if you will. Everything that we're talking about as of today is lawful. Please remember that past performance may not be indicative of future results. Nothing on Union Free Radio should be construed or misconstrued to constitute legal advice. All Union Free Radio listeners should consult with their attorneys. Due to various factors, including changing laws, administrative agency rulings, or court judgments, the advice given on this podcast should be viewed as informal, not formal advice. All right, so we're going to go into the do's and don'ts, the air fingers quote, do's and don'ts, what you're allowed to say or do as well as what you're not allowed to say or do. And there are some nuances to this that it's kind of important to know that what you could be thinking is a lawful statement may actually be an unlawful statement. It's not necessarily what you say, but it's how you say it. So as we focus on this, it's important to remember that this applies to all supervisors or managers who would be deemed an agent of the employer. And sometimes people don't necessarily have to be supervising somebody to be deemed an agent of the employer. Now, for those agents of the employer, supervisors and managers, it's important to note that you are on the record all the time. There are no off-the-record conversations. In other words, whether you're at Thanksgiving dinner and you happen to be a brother-in-law or sister-in-law with an hourly employee or somebody who would be in a bargaining unit or voting unit, your conversations around Thanksgiving dinner could be held against you and your employer if you cross over the line. So you definitely want to make sure that you understand that there are no off-the-record conversations. Now, we're going to cover the things that you can't do first. And again, there's, there's an additional set of rules, but this is primarily the biggies. All right, so some people will refer to as the tips rule. I like to call it the don't spit rule because don't tips doesn't really make sense. 
So if you write this down, just figure S-P-I-T, don't spit. SPIT stands for don't spy on employees or create the impression of surveillance, don't promise employees, don't interrogate employees, and don't threaten employees. And also, you don't want to have a conversation with employees in a coercive environment, and typically that would be viewed as a supervisor's office. Now, if you happen to be sitting at your desk and an employee comes in and says, hey, you know, Joe, I want to talk to you about the union, you can have a conversation, but don't pull somebody off the floor or out of the hallway and say, hey, come in here, I want to talk to you about a union. That would be considered a coercive environment and probably coercive to the employee. So as we go through the don't spit rule, here's the main thing. Don't spy. Spying on employees who are engaging in union activities is considered unlawful. That could be employer agents going to a union meeting. That would be unlawful because you're sending in spies. It could be driving by a union meeting that's going on at the Pizza Hut or you know down the street and writing down the license plate numbers. That would be unlawful. Um, asking or demanding unit employees to attend union meetings and reporting back to you, also unlawful. Now, employees can volunteer information to you, but you can't send people to union meetings and say, I want you to report back. If you're to be installing surveillance equipment like cameras in the, in the facility and there's union activity going on, you'd be creating the impression of surveillance. Even if you haven't, have had it previously planned, you probably need to get legal counsel to consider whether or not to continue installing camera equipment. Um, any kind of creating the impression of surveillance is probably going to get you into trouble. Now, that's the S part. Don't spy or create the impression of surveillance. The other thing you're not allowed to do is don't make promises. Promising employees betterment if they don't engage in union activity, any kind of quid pro quo, if you don't do this, we'll do that, that would be considered making a promise. That would be considered unlawful. Now, again, making a promise could be if, you know, you don't sign a union card, if you don't do this, or hey, if you refrain from your union activities, we'll do something to benefit things, that would be considered typically unlawful. The other thing, and this is where a lot of supervisors and managers get in, in trouble with, is you don't want to interrogate. Interrogate is asking questions. All right, so don't ask questions about union-related issues, period. Don't ask employees if they signed a union card. Don't ask employees if they attended a union meeting. Don't ask employees if they support a union. Don't ask if, you know, hey, Joe, does Billy Bob support a union? That would be considered unlawful. Don't ask if they have attended and got information from the union. You typically, anything with a question mark is forbidden. Just stay away from question marks. It gets a little difficult because a lot of times people will say to a supervisor or manager, hey, there was a union meeting last night, and the supervisor, you know, being a normal supervisor, will say, oh, well, who went? Were you there? What'd they talk about? All those things could be considered interrogation. So you want to stay away from that. And by the way, you can, you can have employees volunteer information as long as you're not asking. The other thing you don't want to do is make threats. So... The typical threat, and this is where a lot of times supervisors, managers get into trouble, is making a predictive statement with a negative consequence at the end. If you do this, if you vote for the union, if you consider the union, this 
and whatever the, this is, this bad thing is going to happen. This will happen. Predictive statements, again, with a negative consequence is generally going to be considered a threat. Now, there's a nuance to that. Again, you can give employees facts as long as it's not a, this will happen. In other words, you know, if a union comes in, it is legally required that a company union have to negotiate, but they don't have to get an agreement. Or if a union comes in, you could go out on strike. That's a fact, but it's not saying you will go out on strike. There's a, a subtle difference between can versus will. The other thing that uh, you want to stay away from is these are red flag terms that the labor board frowns upon. And this is, again, this is where a lot of people who are not familiar with this process get into some trouble. And that's using terms like frozen. If you unionize, things are frozen, as opposed to explaining what status quo is. You know, if, if the union comes in, bargaining starts from ground zero. Again, that's incorrect. Or with a blank sheet of paper, also incorrect. So if you were to say to employees, for example, well, if the union comes in or if you vote to unionize, everything starts with a blank sheet of paper or starts from scratch, that would be considered unlawful in the labor board's eyes. And the reason for that is it's inaccurate. It's not the way it works and it's considered a threat. So what what typically happens is if a union wins an election, the company and the union are required under, to, under law to negotiate, but they don't have to agree. But the employees do not go back to zero. And as a result of negotiations, and they don't, by the way, start with a blank sheet of paper, everything that the employees have goes on to a bargaining table. And as a result of negotiations, they can get more, the same, or they could lose as a result of negotiations. So it doesn't start from scratch. Yes, employees can lose just as, as well as they could gain from negotiations. So as, if a supervisor or agent of the company says, well, if the union comes in, then everything starts from scratch or blank sheet of paper, paper it infers that they start with nothing and they have to work their way up. That's incorrect. The other thing that um, if you're an agent of the employer, you should avoid soliciting grievances. Soliciting grievances are considered one interrogation because you're saying, well, why do people want a union? That would be soliciting their grievances, asking for their issues with an implied promise on the back end of that. Well, if, if you don't unionize, you know, I hear what your issues are, but without a union, we could fix those things. That would be unlawful. Using the term fix is also another, uh, another issue that sometimes the labor board has a problem with. So the other thing that you do not ever want to do is do not speak to union officials or organizers who are outside and do not expect accept or handle signed union authorization cards. That's a big no-no. The reason for that, and it's an old trick that unions would sometimes use, if a, an employee with a witness or a union organizer comes in off the street and they hand you what appears to be a signed stack of union authorization cards, and it is a majority of your employees have signed, the union can make the claim that you just bought the union without an election. Now, most unions don't do that, but they will ask for what's called voluntary recognition, and they try to give cards to the employer. Again, acceptance could be that you voluntarily recognize the union without an election. So don't touch union authorization cards. If somebody hands you something that you're not sure what it is, hand it back. Now, that's most of the major things you're not allowed to do. 
And if you're listening, I said there's nuances to this. And what you are allowed to do, I'm going to, again, use acronyms. You heard the don't spit acronym. Now, there's the other acronym on the positive side is what you can do. And that's go with the flow. Now, flow is spelled F-L-O-E, but kind of like an ice flow. You can give facts to employees. In other words, you can explain how the law works. You can talk about union dues. You can talk about, you know, if the union comes in, we have to bargain with the union, but it doesn't mean we have to agree because that's what's in the law. If the law changes, then you may have to alter that if they pass a PRO Act. But again, you can explain what dues are. You can explain what right to work versus non-right to work is. You can talk about union rules, all that sort of stuff, as long as it's factual. You also have the legal right to listen to employees. And what that means, if an employee volunteers information to you, you have the legal right to listen, as long as you're not interrogating them. You also have the right to give your opinions. And that means, you know, if you said to employees, well, I don't think a union is necessary, I don't agree with the unions today, all that stuff is your opinion, as long as it does not contain a threat or a promise. If you said, for example, well, if the union comes in, I think that you're going to lose something, that could be a borderline threat. You probably don't want to say that. Or if the union comes in, we're going to shut the company down. I think we're going to shut the company down. That would be a threat. Don't do that. Um, threats of plant closure are probably the worst types of threats out there or threats of termination. Again, unlawful. Don't do it. Giving examples to employees, perfectly lawful. You can give examples or share your experiences if you've had experiences with unions. If you see a newspaper article about the union in Timbuktu doing something, you know, bad or unlawful or corruption or that sort of stuff, you can share that information with employees as long as you don't state that that's going to happen to them and make a prediction that would be considered a threat. So again, totally lawful. Here's another acronym that's somewhat like FLOW, you know, go with the flow. Um, you can do flower power, and this is just a little bit longer. Same type of to uh, the same type of basic premise behind it. So flower stands for you can give facts to employees. Covered that a moment ago. You can listen to employees. Also covered that a moment ago. You can give opinions to employees. Now the catch to that is. Giving an, an opinion, you want to follow it up with a W, which is tell them why. If you have an opinion of why you don't think a union is necessary or why you think the union's a bad idea, employees will want to know why. And again, examples or experiences. And then lastly, if you get questions, you want to respond. Respond to the questions, give the employees the answers, but make sure they're factual answers. In other words, a lot of times employees have no idea what entails a union or what a union entails, what dues are, how much they're going to spend, whether or not they go out on strike, what the, what the um, methodology for going out on strike is. And they'll ask supervisors or managers questions. You want to make sure they get factual answers. Giving an unfactual or, or mistaken or some sort of answer that's just not true only eats at your credibility or your, your supervisor's credibility, and it's just bad employee relations, period. Forgetting the union stuff is just bad employee relations. So now, giving examples of facts. For example, um, you can state, hey, the union's not legally allowed to make 
or the union is legally allowed to make promises that it can't guarantee. That's a fact. Uh, unions have rules which are in the union's constitutions, and unions union members who violate the union rules can be placed on trial. That's a fact. Most unions have constitutions. They have the ability to put members on trial if they violate their rules. There's nothing in the... Here's another factual statement. There's nothing in the law that gives workers the right to vote on a contract. That's a true statement. Now, most unions will give workers the right, but some of them don't. You can give an opinion. Like, I think unions have been, you know, become big bloated bureaucracies that have nothing to do with employees' health well-being these days. Um, and then tell them why. I don't think a union is necessary here. Here's why. You know, again, back your opinion up with facts. You can give examples. Uh, for example, when I was a union member, went out on strike, here's what the union gave me in terms of strike pay, which, by the way, was nothing. Um, you can also give employees uh, facts like, you know, hey, when the union came to my old job, they promised the moon and stars, but we wound up getting diddly. You know, those types of things are perfectly lawful. You can explain how, you know, the workers at ABC Company went out on strike but and got replaced. They weren't fired because they can't be fired for striking, but they could be replaced. And that's what happened to the workers at ABC Company. That's a lawful example. Now, that wasn't too complicated, was it? Again, it's not what you say, but how you say it. Communicating with union-free employees isn't that difficult. It's nuanced, but not that difficult. And if you're in HR or responsible for training managers and supervisors on the do's and don'ts, it helps to practice it with role plays and repetition. Remember, if you work at identifying and fixing your issues, you're more than halfway home. However, in this day and age, you'd also want to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Well, that wraps up another episode of Union Free Radio. If you have any questions or need more information, don't hesitate to reach out to us on the contact page at laborunionreport.com or on Twitter at Workplace Report, that's Workplace RPT, or give us a call at 1-888-668-6466. That's 1-888-NO-UNION. I'm your host, Peter List. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Union Free Radio.